You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. Here they were given this great commission to be a blessing to all peoples, and they failed, those miserable Israelites. Be careful, be careful. You know why? Because we do the same exact thing. You know how? We look down on non-Christians. We're just as prone as the Israelites to view the non-believer the way that the Jews viewed the Gentiles. Many of us find it unthinkable that Israel was supposed to be a blessing to the nations, yet they look down upon Gentiles. On the other hand, how many of us have been guilty of looking down upon non-believers? In today's message, Pastor J.D. will remind you that as believers, we're not to condemn the lost, but to reach out to them in love. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Psalms chapter 117 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. All right, let's jump in. We'll begin in verse 1, and we'll make our way all the way through to verse 2. So hang on. (laughs) Interesting, this psalm begins in the same way that the psalm ends. Uh, As we mentioned last week, this is a series of six halal psalms, as they're known. Halal meaning praise in Hebrew. Uh, the root word in the word hallelujah. It's a praise, a psalm of praise. And keep in mind as we now study the fifth and sixth of these halal psalms of praise that these are the very psalms that they would sing during the feasts that they would celebrate, which means that Jesus himself would have sung the very words that we're going to study tonight and read tonight here in the Psalms, beginning with verse 1. Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud Him, all you peoples, for His merciful kindness is great toward us and The truth of the Lord endures forever. And here again it ends as it begins. Praise the Lord. Again, a psalm that is short in length, but here's the thing. It is long in strength, if I can say it that way. And I say it that way because this psalm speaks to the power of praising the Lord. You know how it is, I I experience this typically on a Thursday night. It's more so than on a Sunday morning where you've kind of had one of those days and you're tired, you're exhausted, you're stressed. I know you know nothing of what I speak of. Maybe I'll just speak for myself. But I mean, it's just been one of those days and 
you know, you, you come to church and you're not quite feeling it, if I could be so honest. And then as soon as David gets up here, few strums on that guitar, and then you just start praising the Lord. It is a fact that whenever you hold your hands up like this, that you are reducing that stress hormone known as cortisol, and increasing your testosterone by 25%. Now, men of course say amen to that, but women, you want that too, trust me. <laughs> and that's why when you do this, the feelings follow. Let me explain. By the way, two minutes is the rule of thumb, but what happens is you don't feel like it, but then you do it and then the feelings follow. So you know, you, you, you start off and, and it's okay. I hope you don't take this the wrong way. But you know, sometimes, and again, more so on a Thursday night, Sunday mornings are different because usually we've just had coffee and uh, we've had that caffeine, you know. But what happens is, you know, we, we come in here on a Thursday night and we start off and the first song is usually, you know, I mean, just, it's, it, let, let's just be honest. It's a little bit slow, okay? And you're just kind of, you know, working at it and, you know, blessed be the name of the Lord, you know. <laughs> and then, you know, those hands go up and then all of a sudden the emotions follow and the praise, it just, it does something to you and empowers you and blesses you. Here's another interesting factoid, if I can call it that. You know that when we sing, this is the only time that we are using both sides of our brain, the left and the right sides of our brain. I'll tell you, I want every part of the brain I can get access to. And when you sing, you're actually accessing both parts of the brain. And that's the message center to the entire body. And that's why it is, by the way, this explains why it is that when you praise the Lord, there's this renewed strength and energy and power that fills your heart and blesses your soul as you praise the Lord. So that's what this psalm is really about. And interesting, there's this mention of the Gentiles, in that, and it should be noted that, this psalm of praise was for all peoples, not just God's people, not just the Jewish people. It was also for the Gentiles, whom Israel was to reach. But here's the problem. Israel did not fulfill this commission in reaching the Gentiles. I think of that blessing in Genesis 12, the Abrahamic covenant where God says to Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation and from your seed. Now you have to keep in mind, he's getting up there in years, doesn't have any children. And here God has just told him and promised him and made a covenant with him, not him with God. Abraham did not make a covenant with God. God made a covenant with Abraham. He said, I'm going to make your descendants as numerous 
as the stars in the sky and the sands on the seashore. You know what's really interesting about that? This is another factoid. It is believed that there are as many stars in the universe as there are sands on the seashore. How cool is that? I love it when God does that. So he's, he's telling Abraham, you're descending, I could just, and he's to his credit, by faith, believing God, and it was counted unto him as righteousness. But you have to understand that this was impossible. This was laughable, which by the way, is why it is that they would name this promised son that was born to Sarah at age 90 when Abraham was age 100, and they would literally name him Laughter, because Sarah laughed. And so in Hebrew, Isaac, we pronounce it in English, is pronounced in Hebrew Yitzhak. It literally means laughter. It's the same word in my native language of Arabic. In Arabic is Yitzhak. So if I say to you in Arabic, Ana Yitzhak ma'akum, I am saying, I am laughing with you. Yitzhak. So he, could you imagine? So he's, he's going around town, you know, on Facebook, <laughs> you know, following, I'm, I'm following laughter. Yitzhak, Isaac, that was literally his name, because it was laughable that someone of that age, and here's God saying to Abraham, you're really going to have to trust me on this. You're really going to have to believe me by faith that I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sands on the seashore. <laughs> Here's what he didn't tell him. He didn't tell him when he was going to do that. <laughs> what he didn't tell him in the fine print, as it were, was that I'm going to do it when you're 100 years old. Do you want to know why? So that way there's no way that you could ever take the credit for that which only I could do. Because I'm going to do the impossible. I'm going to do it this way so there's no way for you to touch the glory. No glory, no flesh is going to glory in my presence. This is going to be something that will be a testimony to all peoples, what I did for you. So when he says in Genesis 12 that those who bless you, I will bless. But here's the thing. He said, you will be a blessing to all peoples. In other words, the Jewish people, God's people would be a blessing to all peoples. They didn't do it. They failed in that commission, and instead it would be the person and the work of Jesus Christ that in the end would bring Jews and Gentiles together. G. Campbell Morgan has some interesting insight into this. He says, it is addressed to all peoples. They are called upon to praise and loud, that's not a word we use, think of it this way, applaud, applaud Jehovah, because of the greatness of His grace 
toward his own, and because his truth endures forever. In the long processes of the centuries, Israel never fully realized this ideal. At last, the purpose was consummated in a person. All the ancient prophecies found in him their potential fulfillment in that upper room. The song was a solo as to actual experience. By the union of grace and truth, in and through Jesus, the call to praise went out to all nations and peoples. In other words, I suppose you could say it and see it this way. It was fulfilled in the person and the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Something else here I want to point out, and it's really the takeaway from this powerful psalm. Lest we be too hard on Israel, and I know if you're anything like me, you're prone to do just that, especially in the wilderness wanderings when you see how they complained and murmured and grumbled against God, complained against Moses. I mean, here God had just done so many miracles for them, providing water for them out of a rock, parting the Red Sea, manna from heaven, coming down faithfully every day till everyone was full, no one was in want, and He provided everything they needed. By the way, Sunday morning, spoiler alert, <laughs> uh, in Philippians, I'm really looking forward to this teaching in verse 19 of chapter 4, where Paul says, and my God shall supply all of your needs in the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. In other words, if you need it, God's going to provide it. Whatever you need, God will provide it. And certainly that was the case with the Israelites in the wilderness wanderings. Whatever they had need of, God provided it. And yet they complained. They were there at the waters of these bitter waters, and they started complaining. And God tells Moses to take this wood and throw it into the water, and it turned the water sweet from bitter, and they drank water to their heart's content. Interesting typology too. The wood is a picture or a type of the cross thrown into that bitter cup, as it were, and it turns sweet. Very interesting typology. But all of these things that God did in providing for the Israelites, and yet they grumbled, they complained, they murmured, they sinned greatly against God. Now, why do I bring that up? Because when we read about them, we're prone to be critical of them, hard on them. Those miserable, dirty, rotten, stinking, complaining Israelites. Be careful. Be careful. Here they were given this great commission to be a blessing to all peoples, and they failed. Those miserable Israelites. Be careful. Be careful. You know why? Because we do the same exact thing. 
You know how? We look down on non-Christians. We're just as prone as the Israelites to view the non-believer the way that the Jews viewed the Gentiles. Do you know that the Jews actually had a prayer that went like this? Thank you God that I was not born a Gentile, a woman, a woman, sorry ladies, well that'll get you in trouble these days, I'll tell you, or a slave. That's, if you even so much as came into contact with a Gentile, you were unclean. It was like quarantine. It was like, I need to go through a ceremonial washing. You dare not even make contact with a Gentile. Wait a minute. I thought you were supposed to be a blessing to the Gentiles, to all peoples. They hated them. They hated them. Now here's where I'm going with this, and I, I hope it's a loving rebuke, and I include myself in this loving rebuke. But isn't it true, and wouldn't you agree, that we sometimes, oftentimes really, look at the non-Christian with a disdain? And, and here's what that looks like. We expect them to act like they've been regenerated. Where do we get off on expecting the non-Christian to act like a Christian? I mean, we come down so condemning. I mean, they don't know any better. They're not walking with the Lord. They're not born again of the Spirit of God. They don't have the Holy Spirit. There's no regeneration. There's no sanctification. There's been no salvation. And by the way, you used to be them before you got saved, right? So it's kind of like we, we come down so hard on the non-Christian, they need to repent. Well, how's that working out for you? How's that working out for you? You know, there's this verse in Romans 2, 4. I'll tell you, it, the Lord is so faithful to remind me of this verse when I get on my high horse of piety and spiritual pride, and look down on the non-Christian with disgust and disdain. It's Romans 2, 4, and it says this, it is the kindness of God, the kindness of God, not the disdain of God, that leads a man to repentance. It's the kindness of God. You know, Jesus, when He came, said, I did not come to condemn the world. I came to seek and to save those who are lost. We are to reach the Gentile, if you will. We're to reach all peoples, be a blessing to all peoples. We're to win them. You know, sometimes I think, ah, i got to be careful here. I don't want to dig myself into a puka I'll never get out of which I do very often, by the way. But I think sometimes we, we win the battle, but lose the war. You know what I mean by that? I mean, we, we have this 
adversarial relationship with the non-Christian. And we get into this argument, and I'll tell you what, we're going to win that argument. I don't care what it takes. Well, we might walk away winning that argument as far as we're concerned, but I'll tell you what, we've, we've lost them. We've lost them. We've lost the ultimate war in the end, and it is a spiritual war. It is spiritual warfare. It is a spiritual battle. We wrestle not against people, against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness, wickedness in high places. Paul delineates between four different entities there in Ephesians chapter 6. It's the kindness of God. It's the grace of God. It's the love of God. It's the mercy of God that woos people to himself. See, if I think God's angry with me, and are we not representatives of God in this respect? We're ambassadors for Christ. We represent Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. And if we come off like we're angry at the sinners, well, that's a representation of God. Now, think about this. If they believe that God is mad at them, well, how's that going to bring them to God? Listen, growing up, if my dad was mad at me, which was like most of the time, I would stay as far away from him as I possibly could. I would try to wake up after he left in the morning, and I would try to be in bed before he got home at night, just because I didn't want, I didn't want to be around him, because he was so angry with me. I didn't want to be there for his wrath. Well, that's what it is like for and with our Heavenly Father. If they believe that God is mad at them, they're going to get as far away from God as they possibly can. God's not mad. God took all of His anger, all of His wrath, and He put it on His only begotten Son, Jesus the Christ, who paid in full for all of our sins on that cross, so that Paul in Romans 8.1 could write, There is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Please don't misunderstand me. There is a very big difference between conviction and condemnation. Stay with me, because this is actually a litmus test that has served me very well over the years that I've been walking with the Lord. I know it's the Holy Spirit when I am drawn closer to the Lord in conviction, and I know it's not the Holy Spirit when I am distanced from the Lord in condemnation. That's the litmus test for me. There's a lot to learn from the book of Psalms, and we're so glad you've joined us to sift through it all with Pastor J.D. Farag on In Spirit and Truth. The range of emotions expressed in the pages we've been studying give us an accurate and beautiful picture of our Heavenly Father, the almighty and loving creator of the world. Before we end our time with you today, we'd like to share how you can access more of these messages right now. Simply visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and click on Listen to search through our archive of Pastor J.D.'s teachings. You can even take these messages with you on the go with our mobile app. 
Find a link to our app on our website or search for In Spirit and Truth in your app store. This will provide you with hours of insight into the Bible, helpful links, and access to the latest editions of Pastor J.D.'s Mideast Prophecy Update. In these updates, Pastor J.D. takes a critical look at the news and events happening around the globe and compares them to the prophecies of the Bible, sharing God's views on what's taking place. These messages are new each weekend and will help you put world events into an eternal perspective. These Mideast Prophecy Updates are also available to watch on our YouTube channel, which you can access through our website. Again, that address is inspiritandtruthradio.com. Thanks for taking the time to listen to God's Word today. We pray it's blessed and encouraged you greatly. Pastor J.D. will continue studying through the book of Psalms when you join us next time, right here on In Spirit and Truth.